0: All right, KISS Army, you wanted the best, you got the best. Now close your eyes, you're about to be podcast
1: And with that music, you know you are listening to your podcast. How are we doing today, ladies and gentlemen? And I am joined today by Andrew Scambetti. How are we doing, sir?
2: Doing great, Ken. Great to be here.
1: Andrew, you've been, you've been very busy. You interviewed two people. Would you like to introduce those interviews? I
2: was able to sit down with two really cool people who are involved in this KISS world. Uh, the first one was Gordon G. Gebbert, who wrote those great books, Kiss and Tell, Kiss and Tell More, and uh, the most recent one, Rock and Roll War Stories.
1: And that's kind of a controversial figure in the world of KISS.
2: Controversially, yes, but you know I view him the same way I view you, and the same way I view myself. He's just a guy out there who has an opinion and is just trying to do as well for himself as he possibly can. Uh-huh. Jumping at every opportunity he can to you know sell his book and uh, you know talk about what happened in his life. So you know, granted, us as Kiss fans may not agree with you know his viewpoints, but they're his viewpoints, and you know if we don't agree with it, we don't have to buy the book.
1: I can tell you this, Andrew, that Gary and I have debated whether to have this guy on for the longest time, but I trust your judgment, and if you have any hate mail, that's uh, podcast care of Andrew Scambetti. uh,
2: (laughs) Well, you know, you'll listen to the interview later on in the show, but in the interview I took the stance of, you know, regardless of what I read, I I have no opinion because I have no dealings with Ace as he did, or as anybody did, uh and furthermore... I'll read the book, and I'll still buy the album. I still bought Space Invader, I I bought Anomaly, and I'll buy the next one. That interview will
1: make up the second part of the episode. You have an interview with someone else from the world of Ace Frehley.
2: Anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge, huge fan uh, of this next guy that I'm interviewing. Uh, This is Scott Coogan, who is a current touring drummer for Ace Frehley, but Scott also played with, you know, Bridges Destruction with Nikki Sixx, he played with Lita Ford, he played with Stephen Piercy. So just me being a drummer, it it was a really cool, cool thing for me to do uh, this interview with him because he couldn't have been nicer.
1: Cool. All right. Well, enough of our uh, talking. Let's get to rocking. So here's Andrew Scambetti
2: interviewing Scott Coogan. Joining us today is drummer Scott Coogan, which many of you may know from Ace Fraley's band and a plethora of other bands. Scott, thanks for joining us at Podcast today. Thank you for using the word plethora. <laughs> we try Hi, Andrew. In- we try to keep it interesting here on podcasts. So uh. yes, it's, that's that's from
3: one of my favorite movies, um, Three Amigos. <laughs> there you go. Yes, you go. that's one of my favorites.
2: So how you doing? I- I'm doing great. Um, you Good. know, Scott's been in. Uh, we'll use it again. A plethora of bands. Uh, you play. With, <laughs> you play the Bride's Destruction with Nikki Six. You're also in Stephen Piercy's Rat Bastards, Lynch Mob, Lita Ford. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> But what we're here to talk about today is we're here to talk about um, your involvement with Ace Frehley. So what I want to know, and I guess what a ton of other fans want to know, how did you get involved with Ace? Well, I was um,
3: actually, I I used to be in a, well, still am actually doing a band, uh, Led Zeppelin band that I lead, sing, and play drums called Six Foot Nurse, and um, a friend of mine, um, an acquaintance that was actually in Lynch Mob, Anthony Esposito, the bass player from Lynch Mob, um, was working with with Ace, and he had an idea to find a singing to get a singing drummer so that Ace would just be down in the front and singing, and nobody kind of you know not taken away, but 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 um, lead singing down in the front there. So he thought of my, he thought of me, and um, you know called me, and I came out to um, to audition. This was in like 2006. And 2007, and I came out and auditioned, and um, and um, we just kind of went from there. There was a long, long time between when we f- first formed the original um, Ace solo band to when we did our first gig, but um, that's a whole other story. But but that's how it that's how it started. Uh, Anthony um, called me, and I came out, and um, and that's how it started in early 2007. So when
2: you go down to audition for Ace, um, are you a Kiss fan at this point? Did you know of Kiss before then? Or was, okay. So you grew up listening to Kiss. Was Ace always a big inspiration to you musically? Right.
3: Yeah. He was a big influence of mine. Um, I used to, um, you know, um, uh, my mom used to take me to the local library and I used to rent records out from there. And it started off with like Beatles and stuff like that, lots of Beatles. And and then um, there's actually a really funny story of how I was introduced to KISS, but... Um, <laughs> well, how were you we, so, how, how we? <laughs> It's kind of a long story, but it's really funny. My sister, my, my, I have an older sister, she's like six years older than me. And um, it was during the summer, both my parents worked. And uh, I grew up in Chicago, so it was pretty hot. And my, you know, so it was summertime. And my sister and her friend um, were babysitting me. And I was probably like seven or something like that. I was probably like 79 or something like that. And, um, so she took me over to her, uh, my sister took me to her friend's house and they, you know, cause they were babysitting me and they said, um, whatever you do, don't go in, let's call him Bobby. She was, he was like the older brother of, of the, of the girls. He was probably like a, like a junior in high school. Whatever you do, don't go in Bobby's room. So I said, okay, okay. So the girls, you know, went off to do their thing. And of course I went into Bobby's room. I went down the hallway and the door was cracked open and I pushed the door open. There's three guys in there and they're smoking and I saw three things for the first time in my that changed my life. They were smoking, it wasn't cigarettes, they were smoking, I said so there were Playboy posters everywhere, and Kiss was playing. <laughs> and that changed my life. <laughs> so, um, and I remember I said, guy, I pushed the door open a little bit, and they said, come on in, little man, you know. And, uh, and, I, and I walked in very slowly, cautiously. And the first thing I asked, you know, I saw these naked women everywhere and everything and smelled that smell. And I said, uh, I said, what are you guys listening to? And they said, it's Kiss, little man. And I remember they showed me double platinum because it was like 79. They were, and the first song I heard was Dr. Love was playing. Um, it was off of double platinum. So um, so th- I remember hearing that and, you know, um, I think I got in trouble. My sister ran in and grabbed me by my hair or something and pulled me out. But um, but then, you know, the next time my mother brought me to the library, um, I remember there were KISS records. I, I, I went and looked for KISS, and, um, and I, I couldn't believe they were there. And they were, like, all of them. And I grabbed Alive 2, and I grabbed Destroyer. And I grabbed those two records out, and I brought them home, and I put a lot. first one I put on was Alive 2. And, um, and I put that record on, and I opened it up, I sat down. It was on one of those old Sears. I'm really giving my age away here, but one of those one of those old Sears uh, with the with the record player on the top and the big wood speakers, you know, and all the, and, um, all, um, the all the yeah,
2: settings down below.
3: Yeah, and even even had an eight track, so that's cool. Um, but um, so, and I put that record on, and I sat with and looked and opened that record and looked at that picture with the fire and the stuff, and the picture of Gene on the back with the blood and that face he made, and I was just I would just sit there and stare at it and listen to it and. Um, and it's funny, my brother and I actually had a, had a game. I had a, a, a br- brother that was two years, two and a half years older than me. and we had a game um, called Rocket Ride that we would play, um, where we like would slide on these things. and we had it was called Rocket Ride and It was a game that we played. So Ace was a big influence. Um, I remember listening to him play guitar and, and listening to, and, and, and looking at the picture of him. And I hadn't seen them um, perform, but um, I would actually for the first uh, Halloween, um, after we found Kiss, my brother was Gene and I was Ace, <laughs> actually, yeah, yeah, so my mother was, after I joined Ace in 2007, my mother was trying to find the, uh, she's, she's the one that kind of reminded me, she said, you were Ace for Halloween the first time you guys did Kiss, and I, I kind of forgotten. But um, I figured I would have been Peter or something. But she said, "No, you were Ace." I remember. And she tried to find our, our costumes, but she couldn't. But <laughs> so that was my first. Um, uh, that was the, my first. Um, the way I found Kiss, which is pretty interesting. But so looking at uh, that. Almost... yeah. So so I became a huge fan, and I wanted the dolls. Remember when the dolls came out and all In that stuff? My yep. father. Yeah, my father said no, and all that kind of stuff. So, but um, but then I, you know, I, I went on and, and Destroyers was my favorite record for the longest time. And, um. So yeah, so that was my first introduction to, to
2: KISS. So you're looking at KISS Alive 2, and then you're looking at Destroyer, and then later on you're looking at Rock and Roll Over and all these things, and you're seeing all these iconic images. Did you ever <laughs> think that one day you would share the stage with <laughs> one of the four iconic members of KISS? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> so what, what was going through your head? So you go into audition. Are you nervous, or is it just, well, is it just like another job to you?
3: It's at that at that time I'd already played with a lot of famous people. You know, I mean, and that, that I was just gonna say, you know, that you know, just like as I was listening to "Shot of the Devil," I never thought I'd be playing with Nikki Sixx or listening to "Out of the Cellar." I never thought I'd be playing with you know, with Piercy. You know, I mean, they were they were like the, my the biggest influences, the biggest bands, mm-hmm. that the biggest part of my life. That's what I that's what I was. I list that that music was my life. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, of course, I was nervous, you know, but. Um, but, um, and not, no, not, it was just a job, but I know they're, they're just people like, like myself and like you and, and everybody. And, um, you know, and I've heard that Ace is really cool and he tries to make you comfortable. That's one of his, one of his, um, really great traits is that he, he likes to make people comfortable because he knows people get nervous around him. And, um, that's one of his, his really great traits is that he makes people comfortable. Um, and, um, and he did. And we had, um, we had a really nice, uh, nice time, nice rehearsal, uh, nice audition, and um, but um,
2: no, I wasn't nervous. It was just uh, you know another another audition. So so was it difficult when you made the decision to leave Ace's group? Because I know I think I saw Ace in I want to say around 2012, and I wasn't even aware that you had left the group. But when I saw Matt Starr, who does another, he does a fantastic job, by the way. I was like, oh, I kind of wonder what happens. So was it difficult for you to say, well, Ace, I'm going to leave and work on, you know, another project?
3: No, the the time was right. You know, um, I was going through, you know, a, a different time of my life, and you know, um, Ace was going through some some different things too. He had his book coming out, and I knew he wasn't going to be as busy doing music and stuff. And you know, I joined, I you know, relocated to Las Vegas and joined the Blue Man Group, and um, which is a, a very Prestigious drumming gig.
2: It's it's funny uh-huh. you mention that because that was the next thing I, I was going to ask about. Because <laughs> yeah. like, you see, you see your resume. You know, Bride's Destruction, Stephen Piercy, you know, Lynch Mob, Ace, the Blue Man Group. Not that it's something that's you know bad by any means, but it's one of those things I kind of scratch my head and go, "Well, how do you make the transition from you know rock <laughs> and roll to to this to this great you know percussion thing?"
3: Right. Well, you know, actually, the top like, well. The,
2: a couple of the main drummers in in the group
3: there were 13 drummers in in las vegas in the las vegas show that kind of rotate there are three drummers in the show Mm -hmm. and it's like three or three of the top guys are huge kiss fans (laughs) they're all like most of them are rockers you know what i mean so it's not like it's it's not a rock thing um but um it was um it was just something that you know, that, that um, you know, I came out here to do, I was doing the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp mm-hmm. and um, one of the drummers um, from Blue Man Group had seen me playing. And you know they were having auditions, which they never have. Like it's a very prestigious gig that once you have it, you never you never leave. <laughs> um, and it's actually like one of the toughest drumming gigs ever. You know, it's really really difficult. Um, you have to like just the top top. You know, that's my as I pat myself on the back. I'm just <laughs> kidding. No, it's it is r- literally like one of the top top like drummer gigs. You know, so. Um, but um, so it was, you know, it, it, he, Je- uh, my friend Jeff DeTora from Blue Man Group had seen me at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. And they had this audition, um, you know, the first one, like, five years to so like 20 drummers auditioned, And so I, I had, you know, so I, I was like, wow, this would be great. So I went down and I, and I auditioned and I got it. So, um, you know, so that's how that happened. And um, so, so I was very busy with that. And um, as Ace <clears throat> was touring and stuff. Um, and also into doing the Space Invader record, um, I, was, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't leave Blue Man Group because I was very busy doing shows and, um, and getting established with the,
2: the show at the Monte Carlo here in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So I guess you could sympathize with Ace now as far as you know, theatrical makeup goes because Ace has gone on record saying, you know, the makeup I can do without, but he always loved uh, uh, the music. So was the makeup something to get used to or were you just, did you just fall into that? The makeup um, at uh, Blue Man, yeah.
3: Oh, it's easy. I mean, because I've actually done the, um, I've actually done the, the uh, the makeup um, before, and it's it's very easy. It's just like it's like tribal kind of. Um, we just do like tribal paint. They used to do a lot more at the Venetian. They used to do more colorful stuff, but mm-hmm. at, at the Monte Carlo, we just do white tribal. It takes me about, you know. Um, Probably f- seven minutes to do it, okay, whereas it takes the Kiss guys what, like an hour or something. Sometimes more. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah more. The band, the band guys. We don't. We're not blue. We're not blue men. The blue men. There are three blue men in the show. Ah. And then, and then the band. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah,
2: I was thinking that you were one of the guys in <laughs> head to toe blue. That's what I'm
3: thinking. Oh, 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 Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of people think that. No, there, there are three blue men in the show and they're down on the stage like throwing stuff in each other's mouths and climbing through over the audience and doing crazy things and then we're up in these lofts on stage right and stage left like Mm -hmm. literally up in the air Mm -hmm. there are three guitar players and three string players and we're wearing these black and white tribal suits with with white uh, tribal paint on our faces with our hair all sticking out we have like lights hitting us black lights Mm -hmm. and stuff and we kind of glow and we jump around and so yeah, so we're we're the band members. We're not actual blue men. So that's I'm glad uh, I I got that point.
0: out. Yeah,
2: because because I thought you know, <laughs> no,
3: we're not actual blue men. Because I know <laughs> although I like... I'd like to be although I'd like to be one day, I think I'd be a really good blue man.
2: Yeah, because it's like it's like comedy and and music all in one. So who wouldn't? Oh, who would enjoy it's doing such
3: that? A, it's such a great show. Yeah, it's crazy.
2: So to yeah. kind of change gears and and go a little back uh, to talking about the the Ace things you got going on. Uh, What I find interesting is the the two tours that you've been involved with Ace on, the Anomaly tour and then now coming up you have the the Space Invader tour. Um, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately you didn't play drums on either record. Is there a certain way that you approach those songs to maybe kind of do what Anton did on Anomaly and then now what Matt Starr does on Space Invader? Is there a certain way that you approach those songs? Well actually you didn't do your homework, Andrew. I did play on Anomaly. (laughs) I
3: played on a song called Sister. know, as far as anomaly goes with anton's parts and with the old Frilly's comet stuff that we do live i love anton as a drummer i think he's fantastic and as a person he's a great guy mm-hmm. and i i literally i try to 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 do anton's parts note for note especially all his like his solo parts like and rip it out and and break out and stuff like that like those are key key parts like they're they're so cool they're they anton has his own style it's like It's almost like reverse kind of of what a normal drummer would do. It's really cool. So I I really try to figure out his parts and stuff like that. I still kind of put my own touch to like some of the the beats and stuff like that. I I like to to kind of put my own touch to some stuff. But the signature stuff I keep um, to Anton as far as the records go uh, with with Anomaly. And and as far as um, Space Invader, I'm still kind of listening to that. Ace just sent it to me couple weeks ago or about a week ago so I'm still um, I'm still listening to that I've been kind of busy with blue man and stuff but um, and um, so I'm I'm just kind of getting into that record right now but um, but it sounds really good I, I, I like it a lot I just I just let him know but I plan to play the parts uh, with my own style kind of you know and ace and I have a rapport like like no one else you know what I mean
2: I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because since you have such a good rapport with Ace, do you get to suggest songs? Is it like is it a really free environment? Do you say, well, hey, I listened to this song off, you know, Second Sighting, or <laughs> this song off a Trouble Walking? I think maybe we should do this or, or do that. Does well, it let you choose the set list at all? Yeah, that's funny you say that because when I first started in 2007, I was actually
3: living in Australia at the time, and I, and you were talking about how I started with with Alive Two and Destroyer. <clears throat> I kind of went forward from there. <clears throat> and over the I, maybe I kind of went forward with music as well. Like I maybe moved on from Kiss a little bit. Mm-hmm. I went to like to Asylum and stuff like that. I went through the Lick It Up. Like my band used to play Lick It Up and stuff like that. But. I, I, you know, and I, I hope you know, Kiss fans don't get really upset with me. I did know the older stuff, but I didn't really know it really well. Mm-hmm. So when I when I got into Ace's band, I was literally in in, in Australia doing dishes, and I put the headphones on. I'm like, I'm gonna go back and revisit some of these records. You know, now that I'm playing with Ace, I gotta know, you know, all this stuff. So I put on Dress to Kill, and I'm listening to it, and all of a sudden, Lover All I Can comes on, and I'm like, oh my God. I kind of remembered it, but I'm like, this song is awesome. So I literally put it on repeat. I listened to it about 20 times that night. I called Ace the next day. I barely knew him. Like, I already auditioned, but, you know, we did a few rehearsals and stuff. And then, you know, I went back to Australia. And um, so, but I called him and I said, Ace, Love her all I can. It's a great song. He goes, oh yeah, I remember that song. I I played a good guitar solo on that. I said, (laughs) yeah. I said, yeah. I said, "Can we do it?" He's like, "Yo, can you sing it?" I'm like, "Yeah, I, Anthony and I'll sing it." So he's like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." So that became one of our like main songs in the set um, uh, that that just brings the house down um, because people don't really expect him to do that. So to answer your question, yes, I do suggest things. Um, you know, I've had quite a few ideas. Like before the two thousand eight tour, the the big tour that we did, the um, the rocket ride tour, mm-hmm. um, I had a lot of suggestions of putting medleys together. I put I put a lot of the like medleys together with uh, two sides of the coin and and trouble walk in and like and and, and uh, 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 this um, um, there was what's the, the card the, the something card stud uh, yeah,
2: five five card stud five five card
3: a- stud yeah we had we had like a medley that that, that we, we all put together that I had a big part in kind of, you know, picking, you know, picking the songs with Ace and putting it together. So, so yeah, we all kind of do it together. I mean, but there's, there's the no brainers that, that we do, you know, that's, um, you know, the shock means and the, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and you the deuce, deuce and, and stuff like that, that we, that we do. So, uh, As, and love, uh, and love gun. I'd like to like with love all I can that I lead sing. I also lead sing love gun in the uh-huh. show. Um, which is which is really fun, you know. I, I sing the the Paul Stanley stuff in the show. So has,
2: has rock and roll night ever been suggested?
3: No, we've never done that. <laughs> we did Detroit Rock City when we played when we opened up for Alice Cooper in Detroit at the DTE Ener- Energy Center, which mm-hmm. was really fun. But we just did that once. Um, and we used to do she. We brought in she towards the end mm-hmm. and a few other ones. But
2: um, oh, we did in Australia. We did talk to me, which was pretty cool. That's kind you know? of a lost track because at that point yeah. in time, a lot of Kiss fans had had jumped ship.
3: Yeah, well, you know, Unmasked was really popular in um, in Australia because Shandy and Talk huge to Me hit. were both yeah huge hits in Australia. So when we went to Australia. Ace wanted to do Talk to Me, so so we ended up doing Talk to Me, which was which was pretty cool.
2: So take me back a little bit. Um, you did this this great tour with Ace in 2008, the Rockerite Rock tour. Then you did a bunch of select dates later on. Share me a, a funny story with Ace because. You know, it's been well documented that Ace is kind of an odd guy. So I can only assume that there has to be some great funny <laughs> stories that you always think of.
3: Yeah, well, um, <laughs> you know, there's the old, um, the old, po- the old poker story. You know, where um, Ace uh, on the 2008 tour, he would, uh, he would, he, he started having a, a poker game up in his up in his suite. You know, where he would he would have a a poker tournament and, um, you know, he would have a nice spread of, you know, food and drinks and stuff. And it would just happen to fall after we would get our per diems. (laughs) 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 And, uh, and so, so he would have the poker table and all this stuff. And of course we would all go and, and we'd all play poker with ACE and we'd all lose our money. And, uh, so, you know, and then, you know, after we would do it, you know, I, after the first time I learned not to do it again, but a lot of the, a lot of the roadies and stuff would keep going and playing and, you know, Ace would say, hey, never play poker with, never play poker with a guy named Ace. It's true. So, it's true. So, and then, and then he, I think he tried to buy a poker table on the, on like from a truck stop to bring it on the tour bus and we we're all like, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, there's all kinds of stories with Ace. It's never ending. You know, he's just, he's hilarious. He's awesome. So it sounds uh, like you're looking
2: forward to getting back on the road oh, with Ace. I,
3: can't, I can't wait. You know, it's only been um, this is going to be my fourth tour with Ace. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only done he's only done five shows uh, since the la- the last you know, time I played with him. So, um, so this it's going to be
2: um, it's going to be great. I'm lo- I'm really looking forward to it to playing with him again. So obviously, the East Coast dates they've they've come out. Um, I'm hoping and I'm assuming that this tour is going to have long reaches because this record has done really well for Ace.
3: It is doing really well. You know, unfortunately, anomaly didn't have uh, a good run necessarily because the record company didn't really um, push it as well as as E One is doing with um, with Space Invader, um, which is a real shame. Uh, maybe that's why we didn't uh, tour it as much and stuff like that because they just the record company kind of dropped the ball. Um, which is, is a shame, but because it's, it's a really great record. And maybe that's why it didn't do so well either, because it didn't really get to see the light of day as much. But here we are today, and, and E1's doing a great job with Space Invader, and it's a great record. And um, so, yes, yeah, to answer your question, I think there are going to be a lot more dates um, for this. And, uh, you know, we have the two week run, run on the East Coast,
2: and then um, there'll be much more to follow. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so just to finish up here, you know, if you want to contact Scott, you can get Scott at scottcoogan.com. Also, Scott has a Facebook fan page, so search him on there, like his fan Facebook page. Uh, to keep up on all the officially announced dates with Ace's Band, check out acefreely.com. Scott, thanks so much for, for being with us today. Any, any final thoughts? No, that's about it, Andrew. Thanks. It's been great talking to you. <laughs> all right. It's been great. With us today is a very, very special guest. We have writer, musician, Gordon Gebbert. Famous for writing the 1997 release Kiss and Tell, 1998 Kiss and Tell More, Rock and Roll War Stories. Gordon, thanks so much for being here with us today.
4: Thanks very much. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you.
2: We actually contacted you because of the very famous phone call that happened between Rachel Gordon, who is Ace's current girlfriend fiance. fiancee. and basically, what I want to do is I kind of just want to get your, your opinion on how that happened, what led to that, and then uh, we could talk more about some good stuff about you know the books you have and all the projects you got going on. So take me back, take me back to that day where you came home and you had not a voicemail but a bunch of missed calls from Rachel, and um, then you finally get in touch with her. So what's going through your head when when you talk to her?
4: To back up a little bit, when I was getting these calls from three one zero, I had no clue, absolutely, you know, what was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I get millions of calls for millions of people with all the things that are going on in my in uh-huh. my life. But when I got the Facebook message, it, it said Rachel Gordon, and I, I kind of, I only knew that Ace was like. Uh, uh, engaged or uh, that's been a long time since he got engaged with this girl, which he's still married to Jeanette. I don't know how that's working. Mm-hmm. Um, and her name was Rachel Gordon. And uh, and all my close kiss friends, uh, you know, kiss connection people were going, isn't it a kick in the ass to Ace that he's, you know, engaged to a girl, Rachel Gordon? I said, yeah, I want them for the rest of his life. So um, it was weird. It was bizarre. So when I got the message from her on Facebook, it said, you know, it's Rachel Gordon three one zero, and she put her phone number. Call me now, immediately, and it's now I know I want to talk to you. It sound, just sounded like a, a, a threatening message on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I I ignored it, you know. I, I'm not I'm not about to call Rachel Gordon. What what the hell for? You know, <laughs> I, you know what's she going to tell me? And then my phone rang when I, in my office, and I was like, oh. Three one zero. It's Rachel Gordon. So I picked up. She was yelling on my phone, and I picked up, and she just started screaming at me. You know, I'm like, whoa, this this woman's like nuts, right? I'm going, what the hell's going on? So after she dropped a whole bunch of f bombs on me, I could see she's like cuckoo. I I says I got to record this. I got to document it because nobody's going to believe me. You know how many <laughs> interviews I've done and said has Ace ever contacted you? And then, you know, one of my guys said, yeah, Ace contacted me and did a million phone calls. And No, because I don't have the proof, you know. So I, I had to hit the record button. It was so insane, the the, the conversation. And, and the rest of the conversation that's on that I recorded, and she gave me permission to record the whole nine yards, you know, everybody's heard it.
2: So well, – my opinion on this whole thing is, you know, prior to this phone call happening, although I was aware of who you were, I was aware of your books, I hadn't read any of that. And when I heard this conversation, it kind of made me curious. I go, well, you know, there's usually two sides to every story. Everyone has their opinion. There's a truth. So when I heard this, I was like, man, I was like, I have to figure out what the other side of this story is because, well, let me see if I even believe that it's true, so After that phone call happened, it made me go out and get the book. So I can only imagine how many other people thought exactly the same way because they're hearing this and they're going, well, I have this book now. So I get the book and for those listeners who are unaware of the book, Kiss and Tell was first published in 1997. Um, That's a great edition but there's a brand new edition that came out in 2010 which has a whole bunch of additional content on it. Um, I'm told there's about 60 additional pages as well as new photos. So for those fans who haven't purchased it, you can purchase Kiss and Tell on Amazon.com. You can purchase the physical book from there. You can purchase it for your, tin- for your Kindle. Um, I highly recommend this book, not only as a Kiss history book, but I, I just think it's a great book. When I picked it up, I-, I couldn't put it down. So you know we're here today. We have this phone call from Rachel, but I want you to take me back and tell me, what led to you releasing Kiss and Tell? Because obviously your last dealing with Ace uh, was in, what, about 93, 94, around there?
4: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, last time, yeah, up until, like, 90, 95, I went, I had to go to court, uh, uh, his bankruptcy hearing.
2: Right, right. But you, you obviously the friendship had ended before that. So you have several yeah. years in between your last dealing with Ace and your release of the book. So... Take me back, what led to the release uh, of the very first edition of Kiss and Tell?
4: Yeah, uh, let, me, let me tell you right off the bat, I get mm-hmm. a lot of criticism for writing a Kiss Tell All book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, at face value, any Kiss fan that uh, that sees a guy writing a Tell All book, they all accuse me of, of uh, selling out. Uh, you know, you're cashing in on your friendship with Ace and this, that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. That's why I keep saying, I read the book, read the book, because the answer, the only answers are in the book, mm-hmm. you know, and then I have to repeat myself, and I will repeat myself for your listeners. Mm-hmm. The reason why Kiss and Tell was written is because Ace publicly accused me of embezzlement, falsely, mm-hmm. absolutely for his best friend, we were... We were best friends for almost a decade, and and then uh, the whole Rock Soldiers debacle is all documented in the book, and then all the insane, crazy stories that we had uh, uh, and during our friendship. I mean, there were really insane stuff we did. Um, but it all turned sour, because Ace went and accused me of stealing from him, which was so far from the friggin' truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pathetic. So. So fans that criticize me and say you wrote that book uh, because you're a friend with a celebrity and you're all oh, oh and the other thing is um, you know I latch on to celebrities I'm a stalker I'm this and that they don't realize I played with uh, b- big bands I played with Angel mm-hmm. I've toured I played with Marty Ballon for Jefferson Starship I've I uh, I I've, I've played with Molly Crew I you know there's all these other entities of of celebrities and rock stars that I've worked with and continue to work with. So they think I've latched on to that one Ace freely and and trying to make a name for myself because of the one guy. That's like the tip of the iceberg of my life. Now I know I go off on tangents and stuff like that (laughs) in interviews, everybody accused me of ADD, so you keep me focused (laughs) on the question. Where do you want to go with
2: this? Well, what I found most interesting about it is, you know, I was aware of Ace's embezzlement claim um, against you, and what I found really interesting in reading the book is that Ace named you in his bankruptcy. So if you embezzled money from him, how could he accuse you, or how could he list you in his bankruptcy as him owing you money? That, to me, right there was 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 the writing on the wall. I'm like, well, what... how? I don't know if that was included in the first edition of Kiss and Tell because it was my understanding that that was still going on when the first edition of Kiss and Tell was published. That exactly. information wasn't included until the new 2010 edition. But <laughs> in, in reading that, it's just it, it makes me scratch my head a little bit because if someone's saying that you embezzled from them and then they're saying that they owe you money, it kind of makes me go, you can't have it both ways.
4: Exactly. You have it exactly right. Thank you, a kid fan with a brain. Thank you. <laughs> no, seriously, I really thank you for for s- stating that because that's exactly what went went down. So and and fans that and Rachel, uh, I'll put uh, who are clueless, including <laughs> Rachel, um, do not realize when Ace accused me of embezzlement at the time. You know, fans say, oh, it only went out to a couple of thousand rock, fan-, you know, Ace Freely fans. So they don't know the shit that Ace caused me in my life mm-hmm. to, that are repercussions to this day. Because fa- fans don't get it that why I, why I continue with my fight with Ace Freely. Because fans continue with this, I stole from him, I embezzled from him. And they put all this falsehoods on the internet and they put all this bullshit about me, I constantly have to fight it all the time because I go for uh, a job interview or people look Google me and then they see this bullshit online that I got to fight and, and, and uh, defend my good name and my honor all the time. And, 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 you know, it's a bunch of bullshit I still have to fight this day. This is why I demand an apology from Ace Freely, he mm-hmm. owes it to me. That's step number nine in his, his program and everything, his, his alcohol sober program, that he owes, he owes everybody an apology who he fucked up while, while he was uh, drunk all those years, including Gene Simmons, including Paul Stanley, including all his fans. If Ace was smart he, or had had a conscience, he would have never titled his book, no regrets. That's why I know he's a he's a piece of shit. Excuse me for you know being angry now. I, I mean you, you, your tone is great. I love uh, this interview, but I do get angry. <laughs> I think Ace is a piece of shit for for titling a book "No Regrets" because all that title says is "fuck you." I don't care,
0: well,
4: and to- that's, that's something an alcoholic does. That's re- a recovering alcoholic does. To make amends to everybody, his na- the name of the book—if he was really smart, should have been Step Nine and apologize to everybody that he screwed over. Well,
2: what kind of, what kind of always resonated with me is there aren't, there isn't just Kiss and Tell. That's not the only book that kind of publicly trashes Ace Frehley. There's also, you know, Wendy Moore wrote a book called Into the Void, and then she kind of answered the book with her second book called Out of the Void. Um, it, it always resonated with me that the KISS fans always seem to direct a lot of hatred towards you and I'm like, well, there's another book about, you know, that that trashes Ace. You know, there's Wendy Moore's book. And even if you if the Kiss fans they read Gene Simmons' book and now if they read, you know, Paul Stanley's book, none of them really have a lot of nice things to to say about Ace. Now me, you know, I, I don't know Ace. I've met him just like thousands of other KISS fans have at, you know, autograph signings or or, or meet and greets. So you know, any opinion that I have is just the, the small dealings I've had with Ace myself. When I read these books, I'm like, you know, it, it, it enlightens me, but I'm not going to be one of those guys that's going to be like, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to call Ace a piece of shit because I don't have any dealings with Ace. When that comes from you or when that comes from someone else, it, it makes me sit back and it makes me listen. and goes, well, why, why does that person, you know, why does that person feel that way? And what makes me believe that it's true is there's not only one person saying that. There's several there's several people saying that, so that that it's, kind of dovetails into my next question for you. I have you read Wendy Moore's book? Uh, yes, I have. Yes. What do you think of that book?
4: Uh, you know, it's pretty pretty accurate from my dealings with Ace. Um, I I I could believe all all her stories in in her book. I I thought, um, I mean. You know, did Ace screw her over? I, I, I don't get her motive for writing the book. I guess, you know, th- th- there might be a case of she cashed in on her friendship with Ace or her... That could,
2: that could be no. true. That could be
4: true. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to criticize, though. I mean, my my circumstances were totally different for writing the book. And also, fans got to realize, you know, I had a co-author, Bobby McAdams, mm-hmm. who was integral with the book and because he... He, Bobby McAdams, and I were best friends for many, many, many years. Or even during, you know, the Kiss years, while Bobby was best friends with Ace. You know, Bobby was a famous hair cutter. You know, uh, um, that used to cut all our hairs like Rod Stewart and do re- really cool rock and roll haircuts in the '70s and stuff like that. So, and but the list goes on beyond. You read Gene Simmons' book. You read Paul Stanley's book. You read Peter Chris's book. Um, you're gonna read um, uh, J.R. Smalling's book. Um, I just befriended J.R., uh, uh, giving him advice for his book. Um, th- he was the first uh, road manager for Kiss.
2: There's and, actually and a, there's actually a really funny passage in uh, in Paul Stanley's book regarding um, you know Peter Chris's favoritism towards Ace. And what Paul said, it really made me laugh because Paul's like, well, you know, Ace, you know, Peter befriends Ace and doesn't say anything bad about Ace. But what Peter doesn't know is Ace has thrown Peter to, under the bus so many times that Ace should be, you know, a, a, an Olympic athlete because he's thrown him under the bus so many times. But yet you have Peter here who is saying, oh, Ace is the best, Ace is the best, but he's he screwed over, you know, his so-called friend too. In the book, I mean, you know, like I said, my my whole dealings with everything like that is just what I've read. I don't have any personal opinions or vendetta, and and also as an aside too, I'll still buy the album because I'm still a fan. So any of any of the things that I say, it's just me, I guess, repeating and forming my own opinion of of what I read. So and, and I'm glad that you mentioned Bobby Adams because, um, do you Bobby, still keep, Mc- but yeah, that, that's Bobby McAdams. Do you still keep in touch with Bobby McAdams because I know you 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 wrote Kiss and Tell together. And do you still keep in touch with him today?
4: I talk to him every day. I talked to him last night. We were talking about the boxing match. We were watching. <laughs> yeah, we were watching. Because he's a big boxing guy. He, mm-hmm. he loves. <clears throat> he was a Golden Gloves boxer, mm-hmm. you know, hanging out with Ace. You know, those stories are in the book. And, um, yeah, the the Mayfield fight, we were watching that last night. And he's in Florida. And we were on the phone together talking about the fight. So, um, And uh, KISS fans don't realize Bobby McAdams befriended Ace again after the book has been written.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, Bobby, Bobby still Be- keeps in touch with Ace.
4: It, not, not anymore. They had another falling out, and it, it, you know, Bobby said he Ace went back to his old ways again, and that's why they had to part ways. He and Bobby didn't want to get caught up in the, in the in the you know the drugs and the alcohol again, and and he he said Ace just. You know, I, I, I rather have Bobby tell the story than me repeating, you know, personal stuff. All right. All right well,
2: maybe maybe the uh, Bobby McAdams is a future, you know, podcast uh, podcast interview. But I was just curious if you kept in touch with him because it seems to me that a lot of the flack that came from the book it's directed at you and not directed at Bobby. And I again, I, I scratch my head and I go, well, there were two authors for this book. You know, if pe- people are are going to view negatively about you, why don't they view negatively uh, about Bobby too? Because you know when I when I re- was reading the book, you know, some of the stories that Bobby had to say, I was like, oh, it's an embarrassing story. I wouldn't want that to be told about me." Um, whereas the stories that you told about Ace, you know, towards the end of the book, were more focused on the dealings that happened uh, with Rock Soldiers Inc.
4: Well, that's that's why when <clears throat> we'll get back to Rachel's phone call, mm-hmm. uh, when Rachel started calling me a monster and all that, you know, that evil book that I wrote and this and that. That's why I asked her, well, what do you think about Bobby McAdams? That evil whatever. I don't know. She was dro- dropping F-bombs all yeah. over the place. And I was laughing because because Rachel doesn't even realize Ace became friends with, with you know, reunited their friendship after the book came out. Mm-hmm. So he, And here is Rachel calling Bobby a monster for writing that book. This uh, And meanwhile, Ace kind of forgave Bobby for writing the book. He hasn't forgiven me. Um which is bizarre, because I'm still out there criticizing Ace. and and the reason why I'm doing it is because ACE owes me an apology, and I won't stop until I get it. You know, you know some if,
2: fans some fans accuse you of saying, you know, they' they're not really fighting the fact that ACE owes you an apology, but some fans think that because it's been 20 years that maybe that you should drop it. And you know, the the, the seat that I take about that is maybe I, I would feel the same way. I mean, I've been lucky in my life where I really haven't had um, a falling out to that caliber. So I, I really don't know, you know, how, how it makes you feel. Um, so, so again, it, it's been 20 years. You're still looking for that apology from Ace Frehley. What if he were to apologize for you about that? Would you even want a friendship with him or would you just, you know, chalk it up to saying, you know, maybe one of the things that have, was wrong in my life have been put right?
4: yeah, no, I, I absolutely have no one thousand percent desire to be friends with Ace again. Mm. I, I really don't. I, I I would just want the apology, and then I could set the record straight uh, for all. you know what keeps me motivated and going? Mm. It's not, it's not ace. Ace hasn't I mean, it's I shouldn't say it's not Ace, but it's not it's mainly because of all the kiss fans, I mean, the really, die-hard Ace Frilly fans, that keep the, they're the ones that keep it going by sending me these threatening messages and I'm a scumbag for doing this. And uh, uh, I mean, just if you look on the YouTube video of Rachel and read all the comments, that's what drives me. When I get a guy that's on there that's constantly hammering me with total misinformation and his perception of what went on. And it's all wrong, and but they keep hammering away and putting all this crap. And I mean, and going to weird, really weird extremes with me. You know, I don't, I don't want, really don't want to go into details to give other fans other ideas of what to do to me and what, what <laughs> and what doesn't.
2: Well, it, it, it's funny that, that you mentioned the the yeah, backlash. It's funny that you mentioned the backlash of, of the book because that's basically what Kiss and Tell More is. It's all the backlash that you got from. From Kiss and Tell. And remember too, when Kiss and Tell More came out, which was in 1998, um, the internet was at its infancy. There wasn't a MySpace, there wasn't a Facebook, there wasn't a YouTube. So for the caliber of backlash you got then, probably, not, not probably, I'm certain it would have been multiplied by a 100 had you written that book today. Because now there's such, such a bigger outlet for criticism and, and for people to voice their opinions. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, I'm just saying that it was really interesting for me when I picked up that book to read all of the the backlash from the first book. Um,
4: that's which, why the book's still alive. Mm-hmm. The book's still alive because of the internet.
2: Yeah, you know,
4: and, and, and Facebook and YouTube and all that stuff.
2: And you know, kiss and tell is really a good snapshot of that part of of Ace's of Ace's life with you. Um, Kiss and Tell More um, if I were to write a review for that book I would say it's more for the diehards like me, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge diehard Kiss fan you know, here I am on the Kiss you know, internet radio show you know, talking to someone Kiss related um, so for me that book was great um, but again if, if anyone's just tuning in um, now if you pick up any book version, make sure you pick up the brand new 2010 edition of Kiss and Tell because it's great and, uh, and if you want to hear more Kiss and Tell More is cool um, but it's not nearly as informative as, as the first one, and I think it, it was it was it was by design.
4: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Kiss and Tell More was just the book that I had to document all the insanity that went on after Kiss and Tell. I especially with these two, uh, Kiss and Tell More really centers around. It's not that well written. I even mm-hmm. admit it. Mm-hmm. Kiss and Tell More is. Just documenting these, what these two guys, I call them Slug and Drew, I don't even want to go by their real names. Um, I mean, really diehard Ace Frilly fans that really took offense to the Kiss and Tell book and called, and back then called it all lies, which, which is, I love it because time has, time. And the other guy's books have vindicated the Kiss and Tell book.
2: The only thing I was looking forward to more in the book that wasn't in the book is I was looking forward to more kind of humorous stories. Because I know, I know the craziness that surrounds a band. You know, I'm in one myself. So there had to be more stories that, that you left out. And there had to be more funny stories that you left out. So if you could remember, is there one funny story that you didn't put in the book that you kind of wish you had put in the book?
4: Uh, really good question. You're really tapping my brain. I'm getting older now, and thank <laughs> God, thank God I wrote the book to remember everything. I have better memory than Ace, though. Um, <laughs> there are a lot, a lot of stories of that weren't put in the book. Uh, I mean, we had so many. How many? How many chapters of anecdotes are, are in the Kiss and Tell book? There's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby McAdams has a slew of stories that um, even we were talking last night. You know, I said, Bobby, you should come out with another book. Um, even I, I, I suggested to him that he should read No Regrets, and then it'll refresh his memory. And he could comment all throughout that, bo- you know, that book, um, write down his comments and stories, and uh, answer that book, No Regrets. Mm-hmm. Um, off the top of my head, geez, I'm trying to re- trying to remember uh, really, really wacky, funny stories. I mean. It had to do with guns. I mean, <laughs> it's with alcohol and guns. is, is like insanity.
2: Same um, thing with Peter Chris too. That's been well-documented as well.
4: Yeah, uh, insanity. And then um, uh, uh, another thing. Not, I'm trying to remember a story while I, t- while I talk. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing fans don't realize, that Bobby McAdams and I used a whole lot of discretion with writing the Kiss and Tell book, with all the stories, and Ace knows it. Ace knows we use discretion. Paul Stanley knows we use discretion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene, Gene, you know, anybody that really, really hung out with Ace, I know, I I, I kind of blew it writing Kiss and Tell mm-hmm. uh, for, for the real wacky diehard fans that send me hate mail and, I, and still have this vitriolic hatred for me. What I could have, uh, what I could have should have done writing Kiss and Tell was write the first half of the book, how great it was hanging out with Ace and and, and, and make it like, uh, because I'm not a Kiss fan, I, I really don't care that I was hanging out with Ace Really, you know? Um, but make it like, oh, w- have all these Kiss fans wish they were in my shoes, you know, as they're re- reading the book. Oh my God, these guys are having so much fun. I wish I was them you know, uh, uh, hanging out with Ace, and then morph the book into the crap that Ace put us through.
2: Well, that, that kind of that <laughs> leads me to my next question, because yeah. in the beginning it had to be cool, because or you, you're, you're a musician, you're hanging out with, not, you're not being a celebrity hanger-on, but you're hanging out with another well-known musician, which to me, that, that's always cool. I, I'm not a celebrity hanger-on by any means, but when I hang out with a well-known musician, it's kind of cool to hang out with someone like that. When did you first realize that the friendship went from good to kind of not so good? Was there one event that happened to make you kind of say, "Well hey, this isn't really all that good
4: you know what that that's that's a really good question I, I love it um the point the point i you know I was always everybody in their lives has an ace freely in their life mm-hmm. with, at some degree or other the, the, that's why people connect with the book
0: mm-hmm.
4: what because they have, you know, in high school, we all had that screw up that we were, your parents and friends would say, why are you friends with that guy? You know, and and you go, well, I, I you know, I'm friends with him because you, you kind of have this savior attitude in you, you know, the little, the little part of you that wants to help somebody and it's that. that's human, that's human nature and everything. So through the years, I mean, in the beginning, hanging out with Ace, I mean, uh, People don't realize I was hanging out with, uh, uh Vince Martel, uh, vanilla fudge. Um, and, uh, the guys from Aerosmith. I, we, we all hung out at the crazy horse. I mean, Steven Tyler, uh, the actors, Kevin Dillon and Matt Dillon. We all, I mean, we were all hung out at big pussies, the guy from Soprano mm-hmm. at crazy horse. And it was celebrities every Monday night. I mean, uh, musicians, Anton Fig. uh, so I mean, everybody thinks that you know that I befriended Ace because wow, I got a celebrity in my life. No, I was surrounded with celebrities, I grew up with them, and I worked with them. And and I'm a, and I'm the and people think I they think I have this ego that I think I'm a celebrity. I absolutely do not. I'm a, I'm on the Z list, you know. <laughs> so. Um, it's and I'm not trying to be a celebrity with my book either. So that that and, you know through Ace, I mean I I still work. I still record with famous people, famous bands. Um, I, I hung out with a lot of sports guys. I was a really I could write a book about the Mets because mm-hmm. I was so close to 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 the New York Mets. Mike Piazza. Um, and Bobby Valentine, I did a concert with Bobby Valentine, a Christmas concert with him and everything. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, and I used to hang out at the ballpark, you know, with all the ballplayers at, at Shea Stadium. I, I had carte blanche. I was at the uh, Yankees, Mets, World Series. I was in the bullpen mm-hmm. watching the games, you know. So so these fans that criticize me and think that I'm like this one, this hang around that leached on to ace because he was my shooting star that I hung on to, mm-hmm. is so far from the truth too.
2: Right, right. I, I completely agree. But but again, was there a point where it went sour? Because
4: Thanks for keeping me on track, yeah. I know I get you know ADD when I do these. No, no, uh,
2: it, it's all good because you know it, it. What was the reason why I wanted to bring you on the show is because I was curious to how how you worked and curious to what you thought about this whole thing so no it's all good but but again where where was the point where it went sour
4: all right it started going downhill during the rock soldier i mean we were we we were butting heads before that i i fought going into business with ace and doing rock soldiers and this guy and this uh john Apostle, the manager was the one that was like hammering away at us to to go into business and do this together and now people think I was Ace's employee. I was not Ace's employee. I was Ace's partner. Mm-hmm. We were par- 50-50 partners with Rock Soldiers. And the and it started going it started souring during the Rock Soldiers because Ace uh, was the deal was Ace and I were supposed to remain friends and John Apostle was the third party that we always went through if we had business problems. Mhm. Well, Ace and I were not supposed to talk business directly to each other. If we had a problem, we'd approach John Apostle and say, you know, there's a problem here. Can you get Ace to do this? And Ace would go to John and go, can you get Gordon to do this, this and that? But the, it went sour when Ace would bypass John Apostle and come down to my house and ask me for money. And I'm going, Ace, we, we got to build this business and – we don't have the We have to reinvest this money to make big money. I said you can't, you know, suck the little bit of money that's coming in, and and, and it's not your cash cow right now. And Ace didn't see that. So that and so then it began souring, and to get to the exact point of where the light bulb went in my head, like where Ace became a piece of shit to me, was in court. When he produced those papers, the uh, the the corporation papers
2: mm-hmm. that oh, I that had Jeanette, Jeanette yeah, signed
4: almost. I, I signed corporation papers, the 50-50 deal, and, and Ace signed it, and then they were supposed it was notarized and everything, and it was supposed to be sent in, and I kept asking John Apostle, "Where's my paperwork? Where's my paperwork?" and and they kept blowing it off. And then when I went in court, I mean, it still went downhill and it sucked. And we were in court, obviously. But at the moment I found out Ace was really the piece of shit that he was, was when he produced the corporation papers with Jeanette's name on it saying, no, Jeanette was the owner of Rock Soldiers Incorporated because Ace went and pulled a Mission Impossible on me and switched papers and just ripped up my paper and and made it. I gave away the ending of the book here so, well, and put it in Jeanette's name. And that, that was the moment where I really said, you're a prick.
2: Well, just, just playing devil's advocate here, do you think that Ace's manager could have played a hand in giving the the rights that were given to you to Jeanette? Or do you think it, that it was all Ace?
4: Yeah, but you know what? Even if it was the manager's idea and, and this, Ace went along with it. Well,
2: True, very true.
4: You know, I, I, I mean, you know, we're supposed to be best friends for how many friggin' years? And even if, you know, if a manager came up to me and said, you know, we could rip this up and put the name, you know, the the corporation paper in your name, this, that, I, w- I would have turned to him and said, I've been best friends with Ace for how many years? Why would I screw him like that? True. So I should have turned around to John Apostle and said, Gordon's been my best friend for how many years? Why should I screw him? No. Ace went and said, yeah, screw him. <laughs> no,
2: you're, you're you're right. You're right. So I guess the the kind of the biggest question I had and the biggest motivating factor for me wanting to to talk to you today is I saw the the YouTube clips of this coming, I I guess for lack of a better term, I say forever coming just because it's been advertised for a while of a Kiss and Tell DVD and you touch about this interview that the DVD is on in the book that you met with John, Carol Kay, yourself and Ace Frehley. To talk about Aces Crew and in about in, in around 1993, I don't remember the exact date uh, of the interview, um, but you say it's coming soon. So, can you talk a little about that? Is it still coming? Is it still set to come? And if it does come, what can we expect to uh, to see on it?
4: See that that's where I use discretion, and I and I fig- I kind of over the years kind of like, I did let it go with Ace. That's why that DVD was never released, because they never had a reason to release that DVD to 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 get back at it. No, to really set the record straight, and that, that's what it's all about. So I was letting it go until the fans right now are kind of forcing the predicament. The more they spread false information about me, the more I'm going to put that DVD out. And now... And now that Ra- Rachel Gordon has attacked me, it gives me more motivation and more reason to put that DVD out. I think it'll go out in pieces mm-hmm. still because I have. Oh, there's one criticism that you didn't catch on. I'll ask the question to myself. <laughs> Every, everybody, and the fans will probably, you know, uh, criticize you if you didn't bring this up. And I'm going to bring it up. Everybody's ripping on me because A said uh, the the clip where A says "fuck the fans."
2: Well, I, I, that that was my next that was my next question about that because you know I, I'm curious as to when it's coming out and then the content on there. You know, people say, "Oh, it's edited, it's edited." I was like, "Well, of course it was edited. You're not going to release the whole." four-some-odd hours to advertise it.
4: Four-and-a-half hours long. It's, it's uh, it, but Put it this way. When you see a movie preview...
2: Yeah, you don't see the whole movie. It's
4: fucking edited. Come on. <laughs> it's all clips of, of a movie. Now they're saying, I clipped short where Ace said, fuck the fans, and I they they swallowed my bait. They swallowed the bait because I love it. The clip is edited where Ace says, fuck, fuck the fans, and 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 it was an argument with Ace how he was fucking the fans. So, so fans are focusing on the edit, and they're not focusing on the content. And the content is when the whole video is released, or when I decide to put it out, because nobody has seen the four and a half hours of, uh, of it. It's in a safe right now, uh, and it's been transferred to DVD and everything. And uh, and, um, and I'm a video editor. Uh-huh. Um, they don't get the actual content of the argument because I was there fighting for the fans during that the, during that meeting. I said, Ace, with with the bullshit that you're pulling, you're fucking the fans. And he was, and he still is. I mean, Ace came out with a CD now. Everybody's all happy. I, I love how all these fans are all happy after how many friggin' years. Ace has put two CDs out. It took him 20, 20 years, right?
2: Yeah, in between Trouble Walking and trouble Anomaly.
4: Walking, Anomaly and Space Invaders. And then he calls Trouble, wait, he called uh, the second sighting album garbage lately in an interview. Um, so if I was an Ace Freely fan, I'd be, they don't, the, the real diehards think Ace is on this huge comeback and everything. I feel sorry for them. Because they're in for a dose of reality. Um, I mean, the, the album sold whatever. You know, they keep saying what number it was on Billboard. And that, the, where, where it came out ninth in Billboard or whatever, it doesn't mean anything. Because the state of rock and roll, which Gene just criticized, is in pitiful condition. Ace yeah. sold 19,000 CDs. And that put them in the ninth position in Billboard. That's the poor state of rock and roll. So if, if you got to put it in perspective. 19,000 CDs does does nothing. I mean it's 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 it doesn't even merit a tour. Well, yeah. I, do I wish do I wish Ace will? Do I want him to fail? No way in hell do I. I want Ace to be the biggest success out there. Do you know why? Cuz I've got to sell more Kiss and Tell books. <laughs> <laughs> so, why would I root for Ace to fail? I want him to succeed. I wanted him to sell a million copies of Space Invader and Anomaly because I'm going to sell more Kiss and Tell books. Hello.
2: <laughs> well, it, it, it's always, it makes me laugh that people um, have ill will towards you because of that. Because that's kind of the foundations that our, our country w- was built off of supply and demand and kind of waiting for the right time to do something. Ha, you know, you know, had I been in your position, I, I might have done the same thing too. Um, what's interesting to me, you know, just to get back to, to, the, to the DVD a little bit,
0: right.
2: it, I'm really interested in, in seeing that. And that's not to say that I'm you know, dogging on Ace Frehley or I'm not an Ace Frehley fan because I, I still am. I bought Anomaly. I bought Space Invader. And I would buy a Kiss and Tell DVD too. But that, that wouldn't hinder me from buying future Ace Frehley albums either because I, I'm still a fan. Right. You
4: get it. Now, I don't get these fans that have so much hatred towards me. I'm not the book is not out to make them hate, you know, uh, ace really hating zombies. I, I don't get it. It's an entertaining book of a falling out that Ace and I had, and I and I want Ace to set the record straight and apologize to me. That is that's pretty much it in a nutshell. With, now with all this other details involved where 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 fans are fighting over the edit of fuck the fans and this and that I'm not out to make uh people hate ace I'm out there I'm out there really to protect uh future people that work with ace also <laughs> yeah. because I mean I, like John Ostrowski, wonderful guy loved the guy i i I see in the future a bad future for him if he's banking everything on Ace Freely. Um, uh, How many? uh, And that goes into the thought of how many other people did Ace Freely screw that weren't even famous. I mean, Ace has screwed Gene, has screwed Paul, has screwed Peter. Those those are the important people in his life. And he's also screwed his family. He screwed. Let me see. Bill Baker. because Bill, well, I don't know if fans know who Bill Baker was.
2: Yeah, there's actually a DVD out called um, Kiss Loves You. And Bill has a really good uh, corner piece in that in that documentary saying how he was friends with Ace and he would do things for Ace and Ace would pay him in, you know, costumes and, and old Kiss merchandise. And right. then him and Bill had a falling out, I, I believe it was around the time that uh, the MTV Unplugged thing happened.
4: Right. So Bill Baker was actually being used by Ace, um, because uh, Bill Baker, he, he knew, Ace knew Bill was his cash cow. Whenever we were going to Atlantic City, or uh, you know, going on these, uh, you know, crazy weekends with girls and and, uh, and drinking, and I didn't drink, but what ended up, you know, fun in the beginning ended up crappy. You know mm-hmm. that's that's the point of the book. It was Arthur, but not fun. But ace would go to Bill Baker and sell him a guitar you know sell you know, he knew he was a guy he was a go-to guy to sell him something
2: there's obviously a lot more to to this story than what originally happened you know prior to the nineteen ninety seven release Is there a kiss and until three in the works or could uh, there be
4: they, they, actually there's there's another book uh called kiss stalker unmasked mm-hmm. and and it's about the idiots that, that you know ace this is why I have this problem with Ace. When Ace wrote the Rock Soldiers letter, what he did was want he wanted his fans to do the dirty work for him. So he lied, and then and then he use he's using his fans to this day to hate me and 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 do his dirty work instead of him confronting me uh, directly with this whole thing. So I think that's a, a piece of crap move on Ace's part, also. Um. Keep me on track. I know. Yeah.
2: yeah. So <laughs> j- j- you're, so basically, there's not a kiss until three in the works, but there is there is another book that that's going to come it's, out.
4: Yeah, it's another kiss related book called Kiss Stalker Unmasked. Uh, it, it's a it's a I'm having a tough time writing it and finishing mm-hmm. it because I get so my my blood pressure goes up every time I go to the computer and start trying to you know mold and finish this book. So. <laughs> and i and i have a, on a wing and a prayer with angel is coming out my time with angel which is a cool book for any musician because it's all my experiences as a musician with with one of the one of the bands i idolized when i was young i got to become the keyboard player in the band
2: yeah i was going to mention that you did play with angel from 99 uh, to 2002 but yep. you know we just we never we we decided to stick to the ace freely topic on this one which you know i think some kiss fans are angel fans but um you know, me personally, I never was an Angel fan, so. But I knew oh, of your history with them.
4: Yeah, no, I replaced Greg Jafria in the band. It was cool. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, well, you know, Gordon, we'll wrap this up. You know, it was great, you know, getting a chance to to speak with you and talk to you. You know, again for all the fans out there, Kiss and Tell. There's a brand new edition that came out. You can Amazon.com, or even there's a bookstore near you. It may be available there, um, or you can get it online, Amazon.com, on your Kindle. Kiss and Tell more rock and roll roller stories. And also coming soon, hopefully, you know, Kiss Stalker Unmasked. You know, I'll look forward to that book, too.
4: Very cool. So, Thanks.
2: Gordon, thank you for coming. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com.
1: You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast@gmail.com at gmail.com big
2: thanks to julian and everyone at kissfaq.com they've got great information there and a terrific message board too
1: thanks also to keith larue and everyone else at kiss online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land and as always a big thanks to paul stanley gene simmons ace fraley peter chris vinnie vincent bruce Kulick, eric singer tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great eric carr and the late great mark st john you are kiss and we are your army Podcast is created
2: by the Kiss Army for the Kiss Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with Kiss or any of its members, past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, thank you for listening to Podcast, the Kiss
1: fanzine for your ears.